Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. A mix of topics coming at you in today's interview segment. We talk about cultural frameworks and how they create your reality and what it's like to step outside of that and how that can change you as a person living in another country. We also talk about the startup world. If you want to be a digital nomad, does it make sense to go into the startup world in Silicon Valley? Aren't you just creating a desk job for yourself ultimately? My guest today is in that world and he shares his thoughts on that topic. And could an online country exist? We dive into that and much more. It's all happening next. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend, and thank you so kindly for hanging out, spending a little time here with me today, letting me bring a little travel into your ears This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. No matter what your situation or experience, you're joining a global caravan of listeners from around the world, and I can feel you through this mic, and I hope you feel me, my friend. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this amazing community that inspires me daily. I got a shout out coming to somebody out in Nashville, Tennessee, who dropped me a line. And that shout out's coming later on in this show. Uh, I haven't been to Nashville for a while, but the times I have been there, I've really enjoyed the people. And I got to see Willie Nelson play there at the iconic Grand Ole Opry. And that was one of those situations where I was out on tour traveling around the country and got there and heard about this show. And... I just immediately, I need to go see Willie Nelson at the Grand Ole Opry. I mean, come on, he's a legend and seeing him there, it's, I can't miss this. And the show was sold out, but did the old fashioned show up at the venue, find some scalpers, buy some tickets. So scalpers, they can be good resources sometimes. <laughs> there was just a nice people from what I recall. They weren't trying to get out there and make a bunch of money. They just had some tickets to sell and still... A great way to go, right? Getting offline, just showing up. Hey, let's see what happens. Hey, we either get into this show or we don't. I have been known to scalp some tickets, buy some tickets outside of the venue, bribe a few doormen to get in. You know, you can do what you got to do when you're passing through town and 
one of your favorite artists is playing and you can't miss that experience. You got you got to go do what you got to do, right? So anyway, shout out coming to Nashville, Tennessee later. And I want to talk to you about this interview for just a second because I was a little bit skeptical about doing this interview. My guest uh, is part of a startup that's a pretty new company. I've never used their product or anything like that. And they've reached out and I don't normally do a lot of interviews with startups because I get these emails a lot from startups that want to promote their stuff. And they're often new companies and I don't know how long they're going to be around. And if they can't provide value to you, the listener, then I can't have them on the show. But when I started trading emails with my guest and learned that he was in Norway and that we would be able to do this in person... That was a huge plus for me because I don't get to do a lot of in-person interviews and I love to just get out and meet somebody in person and have a chat and share that with you. And on top of that, I think they're doing some interesting things, at least the ideas that they have in terms of what they want to create. Who knows if they'll be able to pull it off or not. But anytime I get a chance to discuss the future of remote work and the whole digital nomad movement and talk to people that are helping to shape that or trying to help to shape that and learn where they think things are going because this is the future. The internet is only getting better. The technology and the software makes it easier than ever to start a business that you can run from anywhere or just to work remotely for somebody else. And as this movement begins to explode, you got all of these people that are going to be taking off and traveling around the world and working from all these different countries. And who knows how long they'll be away from their home countries or when they're going to be coming back. And then it brings up a series of issues with the governments of home countries because they want their taxes. They have citizens that are living there, but not living there. They have citizens that might have some kind of address there, but are based really nowhere. And what do you do with all these people when... They make the world their home, but they have some roots in a place. So after trading emails, I came to learn that this startup is really got some big ideas in terms of the future of the digital nomad movement and what maybe they can bring to the table. And I think it's fun to have those thought experiments and to have those conversations. So I decided to bring him on the show. And we had a blast, had a great conversation. I got to learn about his experience living in America in Silicon Valley and what that was like for a Norwegian. I talked about my experience here in Norway, where I'm based, and some of the things that I've experienced. So we got to compare cultural notes. And we also got to discuss the startup world and what it's like to live in that world and try to balance that responsibility and having to answer to investors and everything like that with the desire to be a digital nomad and to be free and to be able to travel the world and not create a desk job for yourself. And this was a good question specifically for him because he is part of a company that is trying to serve digital nomads. So of course, I'm going to wonder, well, are you shackling yourself in the process? And does that even matter? We get into all that and much more in this chat. I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Before we get into it quickly, Let's talk Backpacks and Coffee. Is that my new band name? Backpacks and Coffee. Could be cool. I don't know. (laughs) Have you ever thought of a band name? Just like trying to imagine if you had a band, what it would be called. I've been playing guitar with my neighbor and I came up with a band name idea 
the other day. I'm going to share it with you in just a second. I want to talk backpacks and coffee though. First, Tortuga Backpacks. If you want to find the best backpack for any length trip, three weeks, three months, three years, indefinitely, go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. You're also going to get 10% off anything you order over there. And if you go to that link, you're going to see the backpacks that I recommend. I just got the set out backpack from them, which is designed for more weekend trips and the Outbreakers, my go-to with their day pack for weekend trips and or longer term trips. Anyway, you can see it all at zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, 10% off with the promo code travel when you check out and you'll also be supporting the show in the process. So I thank you for that. And I like to pair my backpacks with my coffee, my AeroPress coffee. If you go to aeropressinc.com, you're going to see a sweet little coffee maker, something that I love and use almost every single day of my life. It makes the best cup of coffee you've ever had at home, period. But if you want to take it on the road, it works for that too. It's relatively small, has no moving parts or things to plug in. It just makes awesome coffee through this press technology situation. I'm not even going to begin to describe. You got to go see this thing, aeropressinc.com. It's also inexpensive right now. It's about 35 bucks at the time of this recording. aeropressinc.com. Thanks for supporting the show and also making my mornings sweeter with that delicious cup of coffee out of the AeroPress that I get every day. Backpacks and coffee, a couple of my favorite things. And no, it's not my band name, my potential band name. I'll share that on the other side. Stick around for that if you're interested. And we'll also have a quick chat about shackles. What kind of shackles might we be creating for ourselves that are preventing us from traveling and how can we break free of those? A few thoughts on that later. Right now, enjoy the interview. I'll see you on the other side, my friends. Yeah, we're sitting here in the Little Toyan Hagabi, which is in Oslo, Norway, and I'm sitting here in person with Sandra Rask. Yes. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> uh, I'm amazed. Almost, because uh, I was just about to tell you before we hit record that um, it took me about, I think, three or four years to correctly pronounce my wife's name <laughs> <laughs> properly. Her name is Anadorta. 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 So uh, I think I was like... Yeah, I just kept getting it wrong. That's one of the reason, harder so. ones. So. Yeah, but you're from Norway. I'm from Norway, from Bergen, yeah. on the West Coast. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you have a special dialect. Yes. Dialect. Yes. We yeah. had some, I believe, some Germans 500 years ago. So we started saying the R like like Germans. like. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, is that where it came from? <laughs> yeah. Came from Germany? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good to know. <laughs> I did not know that. So we came outside. You might hear some background noise, which is okay for a travel podcast because it's like you're sitting here out in the city with us. This is a quaint little cafe. I thought this would be a cool place to meet. You know, they, they just redid this and I was closed for a while, so I couldn't get in and do my regular routine here. And then I was thinking about talking to you and I was thinking about, well, how things are always evolving and changing, right? And one thing that's moving super quickly is this whole digital nomad movement and the mm -hmm. fact that more than ever, people are starting to work remotely mm -hmm. and then they're starting to realize, well, if I can work remotely, then why well, I can go anywhere and I can go to Thailand, I can work from a beach or I can just travel around and do that sort of thing. So you guys are doing some pretty interesting things. You're the co-founder of Safety Wing. And if you go to safetywing.com, you can go there. I know you have some travel insurance for digital nomads right now, but we're going to talk about some of the maybe some of the longer term vision yeah. that you guys have. Mm -hmm. But um, I think a good place to start is with your travel experience. Mm, yeah. You're living in San Francisco now? Mm -hmm. Yes. I moved to San Francisco three years ago, 
have been living in quite a few cities. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, uh, I think, is still Berlin. Okay. With San Francisco a good second. Uh, I suppose the only unusual place I've been a lot in is Accra in Ghana. All right. That's a very interesting place. What, what were you doing there? Uh, well, that's actually a, a bit of a long uh, story. It was like uh, one of my father's old colleagues on a boat. One day he came home from a long trip on a boat and his wife had had an affair with his brother. Everyone in the little village knew about this. So he went as far away as he could until he ended up in Akragano, where nobody knew anyone from. And this is your uncle? No, this is a friend of my father's. Okay, a okay. of my father's. And then he, um, it was like a drunk for a year. And then he was like, oh, I have to get my life together. And he started building some houses there. Once he had built some, he went to Norway and sold one to my father. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we, we uh, yeah, so that's that's why we go there. <laughs> and what is, what is there? What is special about that place? So... The Ghanaians are just the most interesting people. They're so optimistic and happy all the time. Really? They're happy all just the time. Just genuinely happy. Just genuinely, yeah. like, a big smile. <laughs> like, and and they, they're, they're just joyful people. And uh, so that's, I think, that's a striking thing. Because that you see that immediately. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can tell when it's genuine, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's... It's one thing and you go to the store or something and people are like, have a nice day. You know, you can get that in America, right? Mm-hmm. And they're smiling and underneath it you can see it's just like yeah. having a miserable day or something. You're like, why are you even saying that? But um, but you're saying this is like the spirit is yes. there. Yeah. This is authentic, <laughs> deep joy where you're getting just a little peace. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing. It's just I can see that being definitely an appeal of a place you want to stay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very humid. Yeah, okay. Right? Some people like humid, some people don't. Um, it's it's one of those places that's changing really fast. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of times, it was literally from one year to the next, no one had smartphones and then everyone had smartphones. Now they even have like a little big ecosystem of co-working spaces. Really? Yeah. What's, it, how do you spell no. the town? Accra. A-C-C-R-A. Okay. Is it near the beach? Is it a mountain town? Is it just a it's, small village? What's... It's it's a beach town. It's fairly big. It has uh, some some places on the beach. Um, it's fairly also kind of spread out inland. There's a lot of places to to live, but you want to kind of choose. Do you want to live on the budget way or the non-budget? Because that's uh, different places. It's not like Thailand where you have you can live in a let's say a luxurious way. Yeah cheaply right. it's not like that if you choose cheaply that then you live like the locals essentially. right okay so, yeah i see so then you have to live with less facilities yeah mm. so how long did you spend there how much time have you spent there i've been there like a, just a couple of months like six times so maybe in a year in total yeah. wow and your dad is there quite often i mean he's got a house there now and everything so. my mom and my dad are mostly in bergen uh, okay, yeah. But they do go, go there. Well, it rains so much there, so you have to go somewhere exactly. else if you live in Bergen, right? Isn't that the... <laughs> it's one of the most rainy towns in the world. It's over 300 days of rain a year. Yeah. Mm. But a beautiful city. It's Spent beautiful. some time there a couple years ago, I guess, maybe? Maybe three years ago now? If you've seen pictures of Norway, you've probably seen the iconic waterfront in Bergen with yeah. those houses painted that very special color. I don't know what those colors are mm. of those houses, but they're... 
just classic Norwegian houses. Yes. I, I, yeah. I mean, you could explain it better than I did. You, you grew up there. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, it's Briggen, as it's called. It's this uh, old row of yeah. wooden houses that are kind of leaning into each other. And they're really old. Like the, 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 the building area is a thousand years old. And the thing about Bergen is this, this quaint place where nothing changes. You see like old paintings of that area. Yeah. And you look at it and it's like, are oh. you sure this is old? <laughs> because all the <laughs> buildings are the same. Did paint this last week? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what Bergen is like. It's like this, um, it feels a bit like the Shire. Not, things changes very slowly in Bergen. Yeah, okay. And so it's fun to go there and visit because... Uh, it is like a real town. It actually has like a very big music scene. It's pretty interesting to stay there. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, at the same time, it's like going to the past. And right. Living in a little fairy tale so, town. So you get the best of both worlds, I guess, in a way. You get the sort of the traditional charming stuff, but then you have still the the modern day kind of thing but mm -hmm. but you're living in san francisco now and it sounds like the startup world brought you there yes. i mean were you traveling around a lot outside of like ghana and these things have you been a digital nomad before mm. like how did you get even get in, interested in this whole digital nomad movement and people like working from anywhere and using that as mm. a means of travel so i was like a freelancer next to my job yeah many years ago and 10 years ago 15 years ago okay so I, I knew many people who had basically discovered this, that, hey, when you work on the internet, you don't have to stay in the most expensive, well, you chose that, right. the most expensive place like, <laughs> in the world. I always say I'm doing it wrong <laughs> yeah. because I'm in the most expensive city and we're one of them. And I'm like, wait a minute, but wait. <laughs> I'm married to a Norwegian, so that's the way it goes. That, yeah, that's worth it. Um, so. San Francisco is no cheap place either. <laughs> we're both messing this up. Yes, we're really screwing this up. Do not take our advice. <laughs> At some point a few years ago, I wanted to quit like a normal job and do a startup. And then I, I had a bunch of friends who were essentially nomads of some sort. Yeah. And I kind of really got integrated into it through this DNX conference. Yeah. So I went to that one in Berlin and I had this plan. I like saved up some money. I quit my job and my, the plan was to just move to Berlin and kind of stretch out how long I could live without making any income. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But then luckily, this startup, the previous one I did, actually started working. And then we moved to San Francisco three years ago. I lived there, London, Lisbon, a little bit in New York. Yeah. Uh, or even by Dubai. That was a bit weird. <laughs> uh, I've been to DNX. I know Marcus and Feely. So yes. they're friends of the show for sure. Great. Um, it is one of those events that can kind of, especially if you're starting out, fire you up about the whole digital nomad movement and all of the possibilities, I think. Well, I, I guess I want to go into the startup world first mm -hmm. because that's that's an interesting thing to choose because, as you know, there's, there's sort of like the bootstrapping solopreneur. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, I just want to hang out and kind of do my own thing and, yeah. and build a little business. And then there's, hey, I'm going to go to you know, Silicon Valley yeah. and get millions of dollars for these mm -hmm. things. Like what made you mm -hmm. want to go into that startup yeah. world? One thing is just need, right? So so what's the benefit of doing the like venture capital way? And I can definitely see that, especially as a digital nomad, where you can live in a cheap place, if you're a group of founder of digital nomads, you can kind of bootstrap that because you can kind of earn money by freelancing while you're building the startup. Yeah. So that makes actually total sense. For me, the motivation for the startup wasn't just 
like we were working on something that if if it works then it's huge right <laughs> and in order to see if it works we kind of have to put a lot of effort into it and so the benefit of going to silicon valley welcome nature is essentially funding so that we could see if our dream would happen yeah yeah so and it comes with a big cost definitely and i was going to say what are the drawbacks <laughs> the drawbacks are you risk being dragged into this thing where you focus on it's kind of artificially growing instead of building your product that's a big risk I what do you say. mean by artificially growing in terms of numbers yeah or having to show certain growth having to show certain growth has a lot of risks to it because yeah. if you do it too early then you're kind of just like selling people a terrible product and kind of fooling them in with marketing tricks and you know it's possible to spend all your time on that and uh, you might do that because you have you know these investors very kind of looking over your shoulder or you have these investors you want to persuade but then you need the numbers right so so those are some of the things i think you got to be really careful if you go that route mm. I wouldn't necessarily do it. Like, there's no, it's not a clear win. It's just you get money earlier. For some businesses, that's needed in order to see if it works at all. Yeah. But, you know, if I could bootstrap, I probably would. You know, I mean, I think these are things people don't think about when they see the sexy new app or these things come out of the startup world that there's a whole thing going on with investors and people want their money back mm -hmm. and then they're now responsible to somebody else whereas if you do your own thing you're you have that autonomy where you can you know make the calls and you can be real particular with things you do and of course you could also choose as a bootstrapper to just do the marketing tricks and everything like right. that yeah um that doesn't mean that that goes away but i think the startup world is when money's involved mm -hmm. big money yeah things are different but of course as you know like sometimes to create bigger things you need big big money to do that yeah so do you feel that Going the startup route, you know, people say, oh, well, it, it's kind of now I've just created an office job for myself, which right. is the antithesis <laughs> of having digital nomad lifestyle and, and kind of well, I shouldn't say that because you can still have the digital nomad lifestyle. But right. I would say from a lifestyle business perspective, you know, if you're working mm. 12, 15 hours a day, mm -hmm. then that can and, and you have to answer to people. Then you essentially have these bosses. And yeah. that's kind of. To me, a little bit of the opposite of the lifestyle business model. Mm. But at the same time, if you love what you do, maybe it's not work. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? I would say it's definitely a risk. And you gotta it's really hard to avoid it, like to be captured by the success of your project in a way. And, and then you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Or success or, or failure. I mean, it's, um, I do think it's possible to avoid. I would say with my previous company, I was a bit captured like that. And you got caught up in the startup fever? Uh, no, like I made a day job for myself. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and 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 like, how did I end up here? You're like, Wait a minute, hold on, I'm Wait. in a cubicle. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> I made this more, like I built a prison for myself and then right you know, locked myself in. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is something important yeah. to think about. Yeah, no. So so now we're we're really focused on not getting there. You know, as uh, my co-founder Sarah, she was a digital nomads for a longer time before and is also a musician and like definitely don't want that definitely don't want to be captured so we do like it's one of our core <laughs> core values is to uh, not be, become a normal company ever right right and we, you really have to fight it because 
because there are reasons why people end up at normal companies. It's because it's more efficient, right? Yeah. One of the main things we do to not be like that is to stay remote. That's actually a very key thing because as long as you are remote, you retain a lot of that liberty and you don't fall into the all the like habits that you get in an office. So, For better or worse, sometimes it's harder to work remotely, I, I find. But some, yeah. in some ways, it's in the end, I think it's it can be more inspiring to yeah. when you can... Like this cafe we're at, I work here frequently and I, mm. I just come in here and I can laser focus and I like that I can choose to work here today or mm. home tomorrow or you know, maybe somewhere else in Europe yeah. another day. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great. And it is hard, but, but we, ha- we have made it work. Like we have managed to build a thing, which is a startup yeah. that kind of works like the Silicon Valley startups, which from the inside doesn't feel like one yeah. necessarily. And our hope is to keep doing that, but we have to figure out a lot of stuff. Like, uh, for example, we can't get too big in the amount of people either yeah it's all this balances that you have to yeah let's talk about where you guys what you're thinking about doing because this is a really interesting thing Mm. and one of the big reasons why i want to talk to you because as i mentioned earlier the evolution of this whole movement and just thinking about okay how is the infrastructure going to work and one of the things that you guys are considering is some kind of um like kind of having an online country mm-hmm. in a way or something like that. Yeah. Can you talk about that vision? Because that I, I like to talk to people that are thinking big and in, in these ways of how can we we're totally going to disrupt not just um, like an industry or whatever, but actually how like the world works right. in a way or government or things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I should mention that the the only job I've had was that I was a policy advisor for the government of Norway. Yeah. Before and. Uh, so I've always been like a little bit interested in in that in that world, and um, what I kind of found as I was a nomad and working online in particular is that the internet is is already its own city in a way, meaning that it has its own culture and and when people can work on there, you have the possibility of creating like more a new identity that isn't a national identity. This is kind of what Estonia is doing. I know. Yeah, I think they're doing something like this. Mm-hmm e-residency yeah yeah is a similar thing well yeah in in the long run so what we uh want to build is essentially to build some what does a country give you and the two things we think that is most relevant is like a welfare state and a passport (laughs) so those are the things we are aiming to build and what essentially i think that the norwegian one is actually really good it was made like in 1967 and it has like just the kind just things you want. You're like, talking about the welfare state. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about like health, pensions, income security yeah. in a community. So where, when Americans hear welfare, that's a negative. Right. They have a negative association with that term. So uh-huh. do you need to explain that from the Norwegian perspective? Right. Because I've yeah, learned so, how beneficial that can be to like actually having personal freedom. Yeah. So so imagine that that you have a membership to a community. Yeah. And a co-op or something. A co-op. And that you put like 10% into the co-op and why do you do that well it's because if if anything happens to you or predictably like you get sick or you just get old <laughs> which everybody will at some point have right thing right then you're not like on your own and just fucked you mean you're not gonna have like a nine hundred thousand dollar medical bill like you do in the united states which yeah is crazy yeah now that can be really tough so uh, i think that's a very good model and 
it's not that expensive. Like it's not going to take 90% of your income. It, yeah. It's like 10 in Norway for the social. I mean, you're saying part. like, you know, use your taxes in the right way, basically. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great idealistic vision, mm-hmm. but I mean, how are you going to convince governments like, hey, you guys aren't getting the tax money anymore. Like yeah. we're taking it now. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of your biggest hurdles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do imagine that. Uh, I don't think they will respond very quickly, though. Right? One of the reasons I left government is because politics moves super slowly. Yeah, it's dinosaur space. Yeah, so I was trying to advocate for a bunch of things. Uh, basic income was one of those favorite subjects, but it's it's just not going to happen. Like the, the the adjustment is so slow that it's like way after the change has happened. Yeah, the government starts reacting. That was why I also thought like we have to fix this ourselves in a startup. How how do I think that will play out? That between these new structures growing up on the internet and people, I think when governments start even noticing that this is happening, it's in a way already too late. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a contagion. But of course, national governments have land, but they will also be motivated by the other side of the coin, right? So they'll be like, we want digital nomads to come to Oslo, let's say, and start companies. So we can get their tax money. <laughs> so we can get their tax money. But maybe we realize they have like their own online country that they're a part of, so they can't pay you know, the full 50, maybe they'll pay 20, you know, yeah. to stay in, 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 in Oslo. Or that's how I think this will Yeah. Split I up. mean, I know I live outside the United States and they still, I still need to file taxes and pay taxes at a certain point. So it's, um, right. it's definitely going to be an uphill battle, but it, it's an interesting concept. And I think it's cool that you guys are exploring that. I certainly have some more ideas around that too. We should continue mm. this conversation another time. Yeah, I imagine the digital nomad movement kind of like, uh, do you remember in the Matrix when Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden Neo gets it and then everything's in super slow motion for him? Mm -hmm. That's like the government. (laughs) Neo is like the digital nomad movement, right? He's like way ahead and like there's no way these guys are ever going to, these Agent Smiths slash governments around the world Mm. are ever going to catch up. So how is that going to play out? It's it's hard to say, but. Well, Norway is one of those countries that kind of work, right? Yeah. But a lot of countries, they don't really work. So it's, uh, I don't know what it's like in some of these, like Indonesia. I don't know what, you know, their social system is, yeah. but it's... Well, you're so Ghana. familiar with the Norwegian one because you even worked yeah. policy. Or, or gone, like it's just, it's just not very developed, yeah. right? So for a lot of people, making a country on the internet is it's just a good upgrade, right? right? It's not like they're getting these services locally anyway. Will the governments allow it? Well... Let's see. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful. And uh, the way we're going to do this is we're going to make the insurance and savings products first and then uh, the passport then after. And and then I suppose we'll see, like, what will that interaction be? But I'm actually very hopeful. And uh, I also know, obviously, people in government. And they're usually more curious and open. And they, I think it can be a, a smooth collaboration in a way. Cool. So, okay, I want to hear what it's like to be a Norwegian from the re- Norwegian culture, mm-hmm. from Bergen, living in America. Uh-huh. Yes. What are some of the biggest differences that you felt early, at least early on, or maybe even still? Yeah, I remember the first one, and that's many years ago. That's like seven years ago when I first was there working in San Francisco for summer. Yeah. And that was 
weirdly positive everyone is. <laughs> like in a genuine Ghanaian way or in um, a not so genuine way? <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. At first I, I was like certain it was all fake. And actually we we were a group of Norwegians and we were like joking with each other like uh, this is awesome. Yeah, that's like awesome. I'm I'm gonna go to the bathroom like wow, that's awesome. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> Is it's it pretty really? awesome. <laughs> we are pretty positive, I would say, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember thinking the first time, like, are you, like, are you being, like, kind of satirical? Like, <laughs> good for you, for example. In Norwegian, it's almost, like, not good for you. <laughs> but it, I, I do find that Americans are slightly more positive. They're a little bit more positive on other people's behalf than, than, than Norwegians, a little bit. So there is a good part to that. It's not all fakery no the impression that is that like you said i think from other norwegians and people i've talked to they come and they think it's this sort of fake politeness thing yeah. um when a lot of those expressions are just that's just culturally what we say mm. but um but underneath that i do think there's genuine positivity and mm. like interest in each other yeah you know mm. have that's... you found that because you're from another country like americans are extra interested in you Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Norway has a good reputation, at least in San Francisco. Yeah. So people are like, oh, really? You're from Norway? That's a plus. That's like, hmm, tell, right. uh, tell me more. So so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, another thing I noticed, I think that's more San Francisco, Silicon Valley, but people are, they're really optimistic. Like, if you, if you talk about a big thing, a project, people will be kind of genuinely supportive and interested. Yeah. Um, and... And it's not like the thing you can do it anyway or this can't be done, which are kind of passive ways, but they're kind of like, yeah, how can you do this? Right? So it's this active interest. And that is another thing that I really liked about that culture, that optimism. It's interesting to hear these things because when you grow up in a culture, you know, you're so ingratiated into it that mm. you, it's hard to step out of it and understand where some of maybe your behaviors and things come from mm. because you just grew up there. Yeah. And then in Norway, you have this Yantelova concept, which uh -huh. is, well, you can explain it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's this sort of unwritten social rule, right? Yeah. So, so Norway, Scandinavia in general is, is has this very deeply ingrained uh, egalitarian streak, right? And it, it's really deep, like it's in the language. Like, it's, it's very hard to bullshit in Norwegian, for example, <laughs> because the words are simple and everyone is expected to be reasonable and use, you know, simple words that everyone understands. Yeah. It's kind of like a culture norm again, against, like, showing off too much, right? Who do you think you are? Like, uh, if, you, if you deviate too much and kind of think you're all that, and then the the yanta law of the law is like you shouldn't think you are anything <laughs> kind of like you it's kind of think you're better than anybody else better than anyone of. else or, 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 well that's good general rule that's but i good. mean and more in like yeah i mean my impression of it i'll tell you, you can tell me yeah. if i'm right it's it's kind of like you could be super talented mm -hmm. at drawing right. for example but if you draw an awesome picture and it's in your art show or whatever, you're not really allowed to make a big deal out of right. it right yeah that would be like exactly. a real world example like you kind of got to be like Oh, yeah, that was just, you know, you have to be yeah. like this sort of, you can't really be too proud. Mm, you have to yeah. be like, which humbles, humbleness is a good thing. But mm. I don't know, this thing I feel like really gets pent up here. Yeah, yeah. That's my American opinion. Because then I see the Norwegians, like, when they get to a party on a Friday night. Mm, yeah. And they have a few beers. Right. Then everybody's, like, positive <laughs> and letting loose. And yeah. it's like the real mm. people come out in a way. I mean, you could say that with any, you mm. know, drinking type thing i suppose but yeah what do you think about that do you think it's yeah I, I think yeah i think you're absolutely right it's like it's this inhibition 
and I think it's in in order for no one to feel the other the opposite right it's like everyone's kind of equal yeah and so that means the better thing you made the more you have to pretend it's not great <laughs> right, right right even so, if it is even if it is <laughs> and even if everybody's <laughs> raving about it secretly probably, yeah not too much <laughs> but we're also struggling with this in as Norwegians yeah. it's like everyone like can recognize that it's there but then everyone I think is kind of like should we really have this like isn't this preventing you know people from doing great creative things right right and that's a big trade-off you know and both in creative things like art but also in technology right yeah so we are really struggling with this people are trying is it possible to retain the good stuff you know while still you know being tolerant and supportive of people doing extraordinary creative things that are really good right? yeah and yeah well i mean you could take then you could take the extreme example of anything right you could take extreme yontalova and be like well mm -hmm. that's not a good thing and you could take you know, like maybe in the American culture, this, you know, win at all costs mm -hmm. and like yeah. egotistical, I'm the greatest and you, you must use my things. It's the best. And mm -hmm. that can be a bad thing too. Right. Yeah. So it, of course it depends on the situation and, and what it is, but it, it's an interesting cultural dynamic to me seeing how it is here and how, and how like people don't really want to interact with each other too much yeah. out on the streets and, and things like that. That's hard to get used to as an American mm. because we, we, are constantly BSing with each other, mm -hmm. you know, right. <laughs> all over the place, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you could just be paying for a Snickers bar, and then the next thing you know, you're, like, getting the life story of the cashier, you right. know, <laughs> whatever. That's just the way it kind of goes, right. which I like because I like to talk, which yeah. is why I have a podcast. So I kind of miss that element, and then I think I get a different experience here because I'm American, so I get this sort of free pass, mm -hmm. right? I can, like, float around. If I start talking to somebody on the bus or something, mm -hmm. and they'll hear my Norwegian is not native yeah. or they'll know I'm American somehow it's okay mm -hmm. you yeah. know they're not looking at me too yeah. much like I'm weird I don't think at least maybe once they realize I'm not from here then yeah. it's like sort of okay and then I've found through conversations that Norwegians tell me oh they wish it was a little more like that where people interacted mm -hmm. more yeah like but they but then they still don't yeah it's a cultural thing is yeah. that true do you think or I'll tell you this when I arrived back home now it was the first time I think I, w I was able to see that little service thing yeah. from the outside. Like you had a reverse culture shock? I had a thing? reverse culture shock. Okay. And it was like two times. It was at the passport control and the hotel. And in both pla places, it was like, it was no interaction. It was just like, tucked. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. That was the entire interaction both times. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's... That's he so efficient, but it's... She didn't, he didn't <laughs> ask me how I was doing. Wait a minute. <laughs> Don't you want to know? Like, just suck. And that was the entire interaction. And I was like, wow, that's... I can see it's very frictionless, but it's almost, it's kind of, it's almost a bit... Like Where the cold, the cold sort of... Cold, um, yeah. Yeah, the, that, that's the stereotype, right? Yeah. Like Scandinavians are cold people. Yeah. And, and the thing, I know that Which they're, they're not. not. Right. Like, they're very helpful and, and warm, but the social norms is is this thing is to be to minimize your kind of intrusion into anyone else's space yeah and being very kind of efficient about it in a way i do think what she says what she said to you that norwegians kind of wish i mean norwegians are kind of probably the same on the inside right so you can imagine our norm being just transplanted to someone else i would say it's a distribution where you know the more introverted people will think will say think to themselves like thank god we have this introverted culture <laughs> yeah. everybody's I, leaving me alone finally <laughs> yeah and I'm a little bit like that so I can appreciate it sometimes yeah 
But if you're more extroverted, you know, you'll feel like I want to talk to people and this is kind of horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and now how do you feel coming back and now you've lived in the United States for how long? Uh, three years. Yeah. I mean, you said you experienced the reverse culture shock this yeah. time. When you travel, you can cherry pick the things that you like. Yeah. But when you live somewhere, you also, no matter what you like or culturally what you identify with, you still sort of become part of that culture in some way. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, I definitely, I think, not on purpose, but I'm, I'm sure my behavior changes when I'm in the States just because I'm back mm. home and that's a different feeling. What do you think about where you would like to be for a while? I mean, you're in the States now, but is it... I actually like California. I can deal with this interaction thing. I've, I've already gotten used to it, I would say. Like, I can now do the American social norms. <laughs> like, I can... And there are other parts of the culture that I just so gotten used appreciate. to it or you enjoy it? <laughs> That's a good question. I have at times when I was getting used to it, was really annoyed by it. Yeah. You know, especially the fake too much weird service thing like that. Just I never got. And I, it's just to this day, like it's just so much pointless things. Uh, sometimes I feel like checking into a hotel and you get like this weird envelope and they're telling me like the valet like what I can park my own car right I can pull my own bag thank you right yeah. and that's like a battle like against you know service people and I'm, I'm sure that feels looks impolite I mean I know it does so I don't know that feels very un-Norwegian that I can just pretend to do like yeah. I, I don't like it yeah but other parts like talking to strangers I think it's kind of scary but kind of cool yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's when you spend a lot of time in a country that's not your own, you you're going to have these types of experiences because you, you know, if you're passing through for a month or so, you can pick up on certain things certainly, but you don't mm. get a lot of nuances that you do after you've been somewhere for a really good period of time. Mm. And then, you know, how you exist in that space and everything like that is always sort of an interesting question, I mm. think, um, for people that are travelers and, and kind of thinking about these things and, mm. you know, trying to fit in, but then also naturally fitting in. But then sometimes it feels unnatural, like you said, with mm -hmm. the service thing for you. Mm. It's just interesting to hear how these things go. Well, anyway, mm. it was fun getting to chat with you. And uh, I'm curious to see what you guys do in terms of... Uh, advancing the digital nomad movement mm -hmm. and in in the way that you guys see uh, it needing to be advanced mm -hmm. and wish you the best of luck and it will be nice to stay in touch if you're coming through you know back to norway again i know you guys have some people here it would be great to, to kind of stay in touch and see where things go absolutely so, thank you thanks Appreciate for your time you usually uh, when it's in uh in person i do high five it out oh so you got to do that. And uh, thank you. American. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> that Danish looks awesome. Go eat it. Um, thanks. We'll see you. All right. There you have it. I want to thank Sandra for stopping by the Zero to Travel podcast, taking time to meet up on his way to the airport, which I felt pretty bad after the interview. He was running to his car I don't know how close he was cutting it with his flight, but I'm guessing he made it. I'm hoping he made it. I'm assuming he made it. Nothing's worse than running late for a flight. Are you a last minute type of person when it comes to flying? I could be last minute for certain things, but not for flying. I would much rather get to the airport early and just hang out because I hate that stressful car ride if you're getting out late 
and you know, oh, I have just enough time to get to the airport. And then you have to hope that all of the things around you cooperate, that there's no random construction, <laughs> that you don't get cut off and get into an accident, that I don't whatever, a traffic lights broken and you're held up for 10 minutes and then you miss your flight. I, that feeling, oh, I hate that feeling of running on time to the airport, <laughs> running late especially, but even running on time. I like to be running early when it comes to the airport. How about you? I don't know. Maybe maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Maybe you're uh, chuck the suitcases or the backpack in the car and hey, we're going to get there. No worries. I just can't relax that way when it comes to uh, trips to the airport. Anyway, I've got this shout out to get to. I've got this silly band name to share with you, which you probably don't care about, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. <laughs> and we're going to talk about shackles in a second. First, I want to quickly thank, once again, Backpacks and Coffee, Tortuga Backpacks and AeroPress Coffee. If you go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you're going to find the best travel packs out there for any length trip. So you don't have to check a bag. You get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL just for being a Zero to Travel podcast listener. Just enter the word TRAVEL when you check out and get 10% off anything. And you'll also be supporting today's show. Just go and see what they have there. If you're looking for a pack that you can buy and have with you for a long time that can work with all sorts of styles of travel and types of trips... This is where you need to go. Don't waste your time doing a bunch of research. Zero to travel.com slash Tortuga, 10% off with the promo code travel. And thanks once again to AeroPress. If you go to AeroPressInc.com, A-E-R-O-PressInc.com, check out this coffee maker. I use it every day. You could take it on road trips, camping, whatever. You're going to love this thing. It's just an incredible little coffee maker that makes the best cup of coffee you've ever made for yourself. And it travels well. AeropressInc.com. Thank you for creating that product that I use religiously nearly every day of my life and also for supporting today's show. Okay, shout out to Lorraine out in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for writing. She said, Hi, Jason. I recently discovered your Zero to Travel podcast and wanted to let you know how much I've enjoyed listening to them. I've gotten so much great information over the last few months. Your love and enthusiasm for travel is infectious. Goes on to say, I've been fortunate to travel well internationally for work over the years and currently am a little overwhelmed with planning a trip for my husband and myself to Thailand and Cambodia after wrapping up some work in Japan. Goes on to say, thank you for all the great work. Really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Thank you for taking the time to write. And you know, if you haven't checked in yet, just to say hi, you can always drop me a line, jason at zerototravel.com. If you're not signed up over at zerototravel.com, you're missing stuff that's happening off the podcast. You got to hop on the email list there and get in the community so you can be invited to some of these online workshops we've got coming up, in-person meetups, and all that good stuff that's happening off the podcast. So we'd love to keep in touch with you there. Sign up. And we talked a lot about remote work and the whole digital nomad movement today. If you're looking for support and advice around that and you want to meet other people that are living the location-independent lifestyle, we have a whole community dedicated to that as well. It's called Location Indie. You can go to locationindie.com and learn more about that. Or if you want to just listen to our podcast and see what that's all about, I have another podcast that's called Location Indie that you can listen to, uh, which is all about the whole work travel movement and where that's going. So thanks for uh, for checking that out. And this band name, let me get this silly band name out of the way. My daughter was playing the harmonica the other day. She's just not even two and a half. But here they call that instrument the moon spill. And it's M-U-N-N spill, S-P-I-L-L. So it's like moon spill. 
And I was thinking, wow, well, what about Moon Spiller? That could be kind of cool. M-O-O-N, Spiller. I don't know. It's like part Norwegian, part because I play guitar with this dude at night. Anyway, I don't know what the point is of sharing this with you, (laughs) just bouncing it out there. And I kind of was curious if you had ever thought of a band name, even if you don't play an instrument and what that band name would be. But I, I think now after this show... I'm getting away from Moonspiller. I'm getting to, to backpacks and coffee or something like that because that sounds kind of fun and travel-y. So maybe the the challenge here is to come up with a travel-themed band name and you can shoot it to me on Twitter or on email or whatever just for fun, just to exercise our creative juices here. We can do that together. <laughs> Feel free to send me something random. Send me a picture. Send me a quick hello. I don't know. Just send me some kind of message if you haven't yet because I, I really love hearing from listeners, and I would love to hear from you. Last thing I wanted to discuss is this whole idea of creating shackles for yourself. It came up in the interview, and at the top of the show, I asked Sandra if he's really creating a desk job for himself, and and we had the discussion around that. But outside of work, what are some other things that can act as shackles to more travel? For some people, it might be their house or their home and, and not wanting to give that up or... The, having the mortgage weigh them down to the point where it's preventing them from traveling. For others, it might be all their possessions or their cars or not wanting to leave a career behind that they really enjoy and take the risk of taking time off to travel and not being able to jump back into that. And of course, these are all things that we could imagine that prevent us from traveling or tie us to a place But we also have to remember that these are imaginary shackles. Any of these things can be overcome because they are challenges to be overcome. They're not things that need to imprison you. And you might know that or you might be working through some things. And I thought this was just worth sharing and opening up because I do recall times in my life where I would maybe get down for a couple days because whatever the job I was doing wasn't really what I was exactly wanting to do at that moment. And you get into you can get into these patterns, right? These kind of low points in life. And just reminding myself, hey, I'm not in jail. That nobody's this is no court ordered thing for me to go to this job or to live my life this way. <laughs> I'm I'm not under house arrest that I'm doing all of this voluntarily and at any moment. I can change these things. I can make decisions that can change these things in a, in a fairly short amount of time. And I think that's an empowering way to approach things if you're feeling down about anything or if you're feeling shackled by something, you're feeling constrained, you feel like something is not letting you either live the life you want or letting you travel or whatever the case is, this not-so-gentle reminder at least for me, it was a not so general reminder. I was like, come on, Jason, you're not, nobody's holding a gun to your head and making you live your life this way or do these things. And that has helped me get through some tough times in my life. Everybody has tough times in their lives. So the shackles, look at your wrists. If you feel shackled by something, you can break them off today because it's really an imaginary thing, right? We are only as shackled as much as we feel shackled mentally. So for what it's worth, just wanted to share that. I think I've said the word shackle more than I ever have in my entire life in the last five minutes or whatever it's been. 
<laughs> let you go now. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being a part of this community. I really appreciate you and who you are and what you're doing and making time here to just open up, explore travel, explore something you love and be a part of this community. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.